Welcome to Embedded Insiders. I am Laura Dolan, Technology Editor with Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with my colleagues, Rich Nass, Brandon Lewis, and Alex Pulse. How's everyone doing today? Doing fine. Doing well. How are you, Laura? Doing well myself. Rich, are you there? I am here, and I am doing fine as well. <laughs> I'm glad we're all fine. <laughs> so, um, I've been I've been traveling for the last couple of weeks, but while I was out, there was some pretty interesting news in the IoT and embedded space, and that was that Microsoft purchased Express Logic, um, an operating system company, an RTOS company, RTOS.com, for those of you who aren't familiar, which is particularly of note because what, about a year ago, 18 months ago, Amazon, of course, bought free RTOS. So now it looks like a bunch of these big enterprise cloud players are really you know, setting the stakes down in the embedded realm and purchasing up these operating system companies. What do you guys But is think? that apples to apples? You know, free RTOS is, is not the same as what Express Logic is offering. It's, you know, not even close. Is, is this a fair argument that we're making? Um, maybe we're not even making an argument. Is it fair to compare them? I think from a comparison standpoint, what we're talking about is embedded level operating systems and software that's being acquired by enterprise, you know, these big cloud giants. Um, as far as the technology is concerned, you could go either way with that. And I agree, they're, they're not really similar. When I think of Express Logic and their RTOS, I think of, you know, really safety critical, really deterministic, you know, the, the definition of, of real time, those are the applications that Express Logic's offerings serve. When I think of free RTOS, I tend to think of this is an operating system that does have real time characteristics to it, but more importantly, it's open so it's you know more accessible to the broader community of developers. And I think those are the trade offs. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I, I don't think of free RTOS actually as an RTOS, to be honest with you. You know, I know that's such a misnomer, real time, what the heck does that mean anyway? But we know from doing all these surveys and talking to engineers over the years that everybody tries free RTOS first and there's a lot of prototyping done on it, but the number of designs that actually go to market with it is, is very small. Whereas with Express Logic, it's the opposite. You know, you know there's, they threw out some crazy number of, of the number of um, unit chipping with their operating system, but you know, who's prototyping with it? I don't know. But um, it's a very interesting discussion. You know, the, the other interesting part of that is these operating system vendors are all going away. You know, they're not going away, but they're losing their independence. Um, mm -hmm. One by one, they seem to be getting picked off. You know, we had McRam um, bought by Silicon Labs not too long ago, and that just seems to be the way that it's going. Why is that? Well, well go ahead, Alex. Oh, thank you, Brandon. Um, I, and from my point of view, I, I, I think it's that everyone is trying to secure the new value chains. You know, in the old-timey days, it was all about vertical integration of manufacturing, whereas now we're in an information-oriented, even though there is a hardware element, we're talking about uh, computing at the edge, but we're also when we're talking about computing at the edge, we're also talking about a human interface at the edge. We're talking about edge computing from an industrial standpoint. We're talking about it from a retail standpoint. In fact, I just did a blog on or read a blog on, you know, using intelligent web-connected cloud-enabled point of sale 
you know, not just the sign that changes the prices when the manager types into the computer, and that alone is an advancement, to have actual web-controlled signage throughout an entire, say, for example, market area, and then you could legitimately control those store facings from your headquarters, wherever it is. Yeah, I think more so, to, like, to, to, I think to, to the heart of your point, Alex, is that a lot of the hardware now is commoditized, right? I mean, it's, it's not worthless, yes. but, but that's not the value prop. The value prop is everything that, that layers on top of the, of the hardware, whatever that may be. Exactly. The telegraph line is not what carried the value. Mm-hmm. The wires, you know, yeah. The, uh, but I think the issue is more of a business one than a technical one. And you look at what happened with Intel and Wind River. I was on record as saying I thought that was a really good investment. And we all know how that turned out. Now, why is it that they can't make this work properly? Why is it that who can't make what work properly? The hardware guys buying the operating system guys just doesn't seem to work. Although, I guess this, this is a weird one because, I, right. you know, if you think about it, it's, it's a software company buying a an operating system, or an operating system company buying an operating system company, which which hasn't been the norm before. Right. I was going to say, you know, what is Amazon? I, Amazon's a software company as well, or a logistics company, depending on how you think about it. But yeah, Amazon, but but the piece that bought Freeartos is a a hardware supplier. You know, it's the storage cloud people who who really bought them. Right. But, but don't forget, if I may jump in again, gentlemen. And lady, on the hardware side, I mean, like, look what happened with uh, Microchip. They bought Microsemi. That was a big thing. Renaissance buying uh, IDT. So on the hardware side, they're also consolidating FPGA technologies, the embedded technologies, the SOC technologies, because a next-generation 32-bit SOC uh, FPGA is going to be an SOC. You'll basically just slap an antenna, a battery, a case, and a display on it. It'll be a product. Mm Mm-hmm. But on the business side, you know, I think it's easier for some of these hardware companies, these, these silicon companies, to buy other silicon companies because the business is exactly, or not exactly the same, but at least similar. When you're one of the reasons that these semiconductor companies purchasing software companies tends to be rough, I guess is the euphemism I'll, I'll use, is that it's a completely different business model. So you have to transition as an Intel from selling, you know, tens of thousands and in some cases maybe millions of chips to thinking about, all right, here's the overhead on, on X amount of, of units shipped to, all right, now we're selling a license and we have to maintain this piece of software and we have to keep distributing this, these licenses and we're selling by seats now. You know, it's a completely different business model. And a lot of times those two business models don't jive. And especially when you start integrating the software folks into your team, into a team full of hardware engineers, the way that they think about going to market is, is completely different. The aspect of support um, is, is completely different. So I think that's why it's been shaky in the past, you know, five, ten years when you see some of these operating system companies getting gobbled up by semiconductor companies. But this should be interesting. You know, now that you see a Microsoft purchasing another software company, and, you know, there have been real-time extensions to Windows and stuff um, in the past for, for a long time. This, it's, they've never been at the point of being an embedded real-time operating system, but you would think, in theory, that it would be an easier transition for Express Logic into the world of a Microsoft and just sort of an extension of those old Windows and Windows 10 platforms down closer to the edge to a lot more of these really small, resource-constrained, deterministic 
um, applications and just help pipe all of that data back up into Azure, which is, you know, that's the same thing Amazon's doing with Priorities. They're just trying to, everybody's just trying to suck up as much data as they can up off the edge with a big swirly straw and get it back into the data center. So you had you know, right up until the end, Brandon. Uh, yeah. I definitely agree with, with all the stuff you said about um, it's a different business that somebody's selling chips. It's a very different business model. What I disagree with is that we're saying Microsoft is an operating system company, so it should be easier. They don't operate like the operating system companies that we typically deal with, like an Express Logic or a Green Hills or a Wind. It's just not the same. You know, when when you're putting all these seats onto these PCs and and the, and the customers don't even have a choice. It's, it's a completely different mindset. And I'm a little skeptical. My thought on this whole thing is that the part of Microsoft or Amazon that benefits from an Express Logic or a Free RTOS is not the operating system group. I don't think that that's their objective. I think their objective is really more of a long tail where they're trying to get as much data as they can into their back end. And once you do that, then you hit them with all of these additional services, you know, like AWS Greengrass or whatever sort of intelligence and data storage is going on from Amazon. And then on the uh, Microsoft side, Azure and some of the machine learning services that you layer in on top of all that data. So you sort of have this end-to-end -end play where you're just grabbing customers saying, look, from the edge node of your actuating whatever it is, all the way back to running big data analytics on the data that you're sucking in off of that actuator. You know, that's all Microsoft infrastructure. We touch you at every point along the way. And here's your one big bill at the end of the month for all of those services. Do you think we should ask one of the Silicon guys for an opinion on this subject? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, I would love to hear some of their opinions as well. Don't forget, convergence is, applies to everyone today. It's not just a hardware thing. It's not just a software thing. It's a hardware and a software thing. Think about server farm and power systems and logic systems and the racking systems. You've got such a crossover now, cross-pollination between companies because they have to deliver integrated services to their clients. The pressure to acquire the people that you're working with to provide an integrated solution is tremendous. Joining us now, we have Rob Oshana. He's the VP of Software Engineering, Research and Development for NXP, and he will be discussing the state of operating systems in the IoT. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rob. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. We've been talking about operating system companies being acquired by other folks. Uh, in a few cases, it's by the semiconductor vendors, but what brings us to this example is Express Logic being acquired by Microsoft. And then uh, I guess it was about a year ago that Amazon acquired Free RTOS. What do you think about that? Is If you're a developer, is that a good thing, Rob? If I'm an embedded developer, I've got some mixed feelings about it, depending on my closeness to that operating system platform for, you know, for, for my development efforts. I think, but you make a really good point. It's never that surprising when you hear about like a silicon company acquiring an operating system or an RTOS, like uh, when uh, Silicon Labs acquired Micrium. But when then all of a sudden these cloud guys, you're like, what, what the heck's going on? But really it makes a lot of sense because these guys are trying to get to the end node with edge computing. Uh, that's one thing. It's easy to deploy applications to the edge. But when you're really trying to get data from a sensor at an end node, um, well, wouldn't it be great to also control that platform? So now 
an operating system, a real-time operating system like FreeRTOS uh, or the ThreadX technology, now it makes a lot more sense because at the end of the day, you're just trying to get data into the cloud. That's what these guys really make their money. So it makes sense. And now, now what does it mean for a developer? Again, back to my mixed feelings, I think you know, one of the things about, say, FreeRTOS, very community-oriented, and, and uh, when, when, it, when, when now you're, uh, you know, your master is a cloud guy, you know, they, the technology direction may change, and we're already seeing that a little bit. The connectivity protocols, for example, are a little bit prioritized a little bit differently than, than they were, you know, but depending on how these cloud guys want to get data into the cloud, so the connectivity protocols, uh, specifically wireless protocols, uh, now are not as uh, kind of uh, open or uh, ubiquitous as far as uh, the number of different options available. Uh, we're seeing that in FreeRTOS, and quite frankly, I think you, you might see a little bit of that kind of change in direction with ThreadX. So now, if I was going to put my cynical hat on, which, which, as you know, I would never do, but just to say for sake of argument, if, if I'm the cynical guy. Are they just going to roll ThreadX into Windows and say, okay, now you have to buy Windows if, if you want to be part of our cloud environment with Microsoft? I think that's a, that's a great point. I think they're not going to do that. I think they're going to uh, – the, the, the Win the IoT core stuff is still going to be what they're going to recommend for um, the – I'll call it the um, non – or the MMU devices like the, the Linux-based devices running on the edge. The way I look at it, Rich, anything that does not require address translation, that, you know, like for example, like a, an RTOS, they're going to recommend ThreadX. They're not going to force everyone to use. You know, they're not going to integrate into Windows. I, I don't see that happening. They're going to keep this separate. Do you well, think the history uh, of these acquisitions is is not good? As as you know, there are far more examples of these acquisitions that have gone the wrong way than the right way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Right, and I think, and I won't name names, but there's 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 a lot of evidence of these acquisitions, even today, where the people are regretting the purchase of different platform technologies. So, so yeah, absolutely, there's more of these that don't work than than that do, and and this trend may go in the same direction with the cloud guys trying to own the end node like this. Uh, I think it is an interesting new development, and we'll see how it, plan, it pans out. But I don't think they're gonna force everyone to integrate into a Microsoft way of working like like they may have tried to do a decade ago. I don't see that happening now. So, Rob, Is this when I say, your lips to God's ears? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. So, Rob, earlier uh, we were talking a little bit about one of the reasons that these integrations in the past have failed, especially when a software company is acquired by um, a silicon company. Um, and then, you know, the two business models tend to clash. In this case, do you think that Microsoft, to your point earlier about the, these large cloud vendors trying to own the edge, do you think that Microsoft will continue to monetize ExpressLogic in that way, or is it going to be more advantageous from a cost perspective to developers because what Microsoft really cares about is getting data off the edge versus maybe those licensing fees that you would typically be charging for, for ThreadX fees? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think, um, so I'll give you my personal opinion, and, and I'll use an example to justify my answer. If you look at what, um, when Amazon bought FreeRTOS, one of the first things they did is they changed the licensing uh, to an MIT license. This allowed 
uh, a, dip, a more permissive type license than, than the way FreeRTOS was, where it was more contributed back GPL like. Obviously, FreeRTOS is it was uh, free to, to many developers. So now, when you look at ThreadX, uh, what could happen? They can keep charging in you know uh, fees. They could have a completely different agreement and a licensing agreement along with it. It's free because, like you said, they would just want data in the cloud. I'm betting on the latter. I think they're gonna they're gonna make this a you know kind of a free type enablement package. I think you can find you'll you'll find uh, SDK software development kits with uh, X number of supported boards with ThreadX. Just you know download this and get going. Get your data into the cloud for free uh, with this easy to use interface uh, in the cloud to get set up. I think I, I think that's going to happen. I'm going to bet on that as opposed to. I mean, look, Microsoft is a trillion dollar valued company. Do they really care about some some fees from ThreadX? I, I just don't okay. think so. Right. That's a great observation. When you're a lawyer, you're not supposed to ask a question you don't know the answer to, but I don't know the answer to this. What's the model with Micrium and Silicon Labs? Do you get Micrium for free if, if you buy a certain number of processors? I think so. I think with uh, Micrium, uh, and again, I'm, I, I, I haven't talked to those guys in a while, but I think it's, it's if you buy their, if you get their, if you download their software development kit for their processors, you get Micrium for free. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the way it operates. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's the way they, they do it today. Do you, you know, guys operate with Micrium in the same way that you did before they were acquired by Silicon Labs? Well, what we did is, you know, because of just the, the whole competitive nature, we have not integrated Micrium into our software development kit anymore. However, it's not that Micrium can't be supported on our devices. As a matter of fact, I think it still is in many cases but we don't bundle it the same way into our software offering, which as you know, is, is, is a free download. Software development kit is a free download. It always has been, even when we did have Micrium. So I think it's, uh, you know, we don't bundle it anymore, but I think it's still a free enablement for, uh, for the Silicon companies. So okay. Rob, I know that, I know that um, at, at NXP, you guys are big proponents of uh, open source. Now taking it back a step, how much free RTOS do you can you comment is actually being deployed in, in products, and then the obvious segue to that follow on to that is is Microsoft's acquisition of of Express Logic um, more of a you know an, an actual deployment level uh, but play versus you know just prototyping on three RTOS? Yeah, I think you know we we get a we get a couple thousand downloads of our software development kit a month which has FreeRTOS bundled. The statistics on how many actual deployments of products with FreeRTOS, those numbers are a little bit harder to come by. Even though we've got over 20,000 customers, it's hard to really know which ones are using that per product. So that one, don't really know how much is actually deployed today. We do know that it is our software development kits are downloaded at an increasing rate. And and right now, the only operating system we support is FreeRTOS inside Mm -hmm. that software development kit. Uh, I think the Express Logic will be an enablement platform. I don't know their customer base today, so I again hard to comment on whether that'll go up or down. But with us, it's pretty significant. Uh, people actually using FreeRTOS. Very good. I think this is really interesting stuff, um, and it's just and we just have to see how how this plays out. I guess um, you know, as I said earlier, the, the history of these acquisitions is is not good, but. Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens because this one's a little different than any any of the others. For sure. Yeah, it, it is, and I think uh, now you know, I'm kind of viewing this 
now that there's like two of these transactions, both cloud guys acquiring our tosses, and it's going to be interesting to see whether that trend continues or, or and how successful these are going to are going to ultimately be. A very interesting development. But I was shocked that at Embedded World, I actually saw cloud providers at Embedded World for the first time ever. That was just that was very interesting. <laughs> right. We do exist. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, thanks a lot for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, right. Rob. Thank you. Okay, so now to our news desk. And speaking of acquisitions, Corvo recently acquired Active Semi International. Active Semi is a supplier of programmable mixed signal power solutions that result in smaller footprints, lower VOMs, and quicker time to market. So what this means is that Corvo will expand the IDP's product offerings for existing customers and extend their reach into the new high-growth power management markets. Yeah, especially with a lot of things that are happening in the networking landscape, that being shifted, um, you know, with 5G coming out, mm -hmm. et cetera. Corvo getting a mixed signal analog power uh, company is a good play. So look forward to more flexibility out of Corvo's offerings moving forward. What effect do you think this will have on 5G? It's, you know, that's a good question. Um, you know, Corvo does a lot with front ends. Being able to sort of tinker around with a lot of the power uh, and analog out there at the edge on handsets, et cetera, um, is, you know, it's a good move. Awesome. In other news, Tortuga Logic and Synopsys have joined forces on providing SOCs with system-level security. And uh, the verification solution will detect and inhibit weaknesses in system-on-ship designs. Yeah, so here Tortuga Logic is combining its uh, its software offerings with Synopsys Designware Arc IP. So Designware processors are you know historically pretty robust in terms of security, and with Tortuga's uh, Redix S uh, software offering on top of it, it just allows you to both verify the security of the design and then also make sure that you can extend that out to the system level. So if you're interested in finding out more, you can visit uh, Tortuga Logic's website. Awesome. And finally, uh, Septon has released its Vista Edge LiDAR evaluation kit. Yeah, so uh, Septon uh, is another one of those LiDAR companies that popped up a couple of years ago when uh, there seemed to be every other company that started up was a LiDAR company. Um, Septon's LiDAR Solid State, uh, the, it serves automotive and other markets. And this eval kit is pretty cool because it's paired with the uh, Jetson TX2 from NVIDIA. So you're pulling in a lot of LiDAR, um, generating these point clouds, and computing the hell out of it with an NVIDIA uh, Jetson TX2. So it's a great way to get started, especially if you're looking for a high-end LiDAR design in something like automotive. Awesome. Will this have any effect on infotainment systems as far as automotive? Probably not. Um, right now for these eval kits, what they're really targeting is developing point clouds um, for safety. So okay. the safety sensor out there at the edge, which is the LiDAR, mm -hmm. um, is going to be pulling in tons of uh, information per second, uh, giga samples. So you need to have a really high-performance processor um, to be able to sort of model uh, what that application looks like and take all of that data and actually do something with it so that the car um, and the, presumably like some level of autonomy uh, would be able to make a decision. So this is a good way for people to get started. Awesome. So they better hope that works <laughs> from an autonomy standpoint. Awesome. That's why we evaluate, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And as always, where can people uh, find out more information from us, Laura? 
Well, we are everywhere right now. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, www.embedded-computing.com. We are on Facebook. Go and like our page under Embedded Computing Design. We are on LinkedIn as well. If you go and like our page under Embedded Computing, we are on Twitter um, at Embedded underscore Comp, and that's Embedded C-O-M-P. And we also have an Instagram. Very good. Well, hey, have a good week, Laura. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Brandon. Same to you.